you're listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library Podcast, brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. Today we're talking to Melanie Chard, owner and director of the M Contemporary Art. It's a gallery that is right across the street from our library. They're practically our neighbors. They regularly host exhibitions and they also try to connect their clients with art that they can bring into their home, enriching their lives. We're going to be talking about the value of art. We're going to be talking about the importance of galleries and why it's so hard to talk to artists sometimes. Melanie Chard, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. And I've been wanting to talk to you and meet you for three years now because you've been our neighbor. You're right across the street from this library. And it's just it's good. It's good to see you. You have lived and worked in New York for a period of time, but you you were born and raised in Michigan. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. I grew up in Linden, Michigan, which is um, right near Fenton, about 15 minutes south of Flint. And I moved to New York in 2003 Okay. and uh, worked at Sotheby's Auction House. And I was there for 10 years and then moved back in 2013. When we think of, I guess, pinnacles of the art world, that's got to be in the top five, at least from what I can understand. That sounds very intense. What was that experience like being at Sotheby's? Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, well, at first it was very intimidating. Um, I had just graduated from Central Michigan University and I traveled a little bit um, and studied abroad in London and um, had been around a little bit before that. But when I got there, I was very green and very Midwestern. And so it was, <laughs> it was quite an experience. Um, and I started in client services. So I was interacting with experts a little bit and with clients who would sort of walk in and selling catalogs and that sort of thing. Um, and then I ultimately got my, my final, well, I, before my final position, but I, I started working in the proposals department, mm-hmm. which was really exciting. We were, we would, um, work on finding like essentially pitching to collectors why they should sell at Sotheby's. Yeah. And, um, while I was there, I was constantly seeing all these really, great collections and photographs of the work in situ and that sort of thing. And um, that led me to apply for a position uh, in the valuations department, Mm -hmm. which at that time was trust and estates and appraisals. And uh, because I really wanted to see the art in people's homes, I thought that that was really exciting. So it took me a couple of tries, but I got in (laughs) and then ultimately I became the head of that department. That's impressive. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was sort of a last man standing kind of thing. Yeah. There, there was a little bit of a, you know, there's an ebb and a flow kind of wherever you work. And, um, you know, whenever there's an exodus, sometimes you, you kind of end up being the one who knows the most at that point. So um, it was a really wonderful experience. I worked with people who were truly the best at what they do. I should ask this question first, and I'll just say as an example, uh, I have had a side hustle, I guess, freelancing as a music journalist and often as someone who's talking to musicians and writing about music, everyone likes to ask me, were you a musician yourself? And the answer is absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about your background. You are in the art gallery world, valuing the art. Do you ever dabble in art? Well, tell me about what you studied at Central and, and, and all that too. Well, at Central, I studied broadcast journalism. Ah. I, I, I was there for a while. <laughs> I, I dabbled in many things, but um, I really, at the end of, at the end of it, I, I landed in broadcast journalism and I was part of the radio station there. And I was news director of the radio station and 
I was really into film and um, I actually wanted to work in documentary film. And then I got to New York and I realized that they don't actually pay you to do that. No, they don't. So it was a little bit disheartening to to think that you were going to be a production assistant like up at three in the morning and not making any money. But uh, so then I, I ended up at Sotheby's and I, you know, started out very hourly, you know, until I finally kind of rose through the ranks a little bit. But um, what I found later, and I've been thinking about this a lot recently, actually, is, you know, how did I, how does my experience there translate here? Meaning my my college experience going through broadcast journalism. And what I really enjoyed about that was the stories. I really like telling stories and hearing stories and connecting with people. And I think that working in a gallery and being able to connect with artists the way that I do mm-hmm. really gives me the opportunity to still do a similar thing, but just with a different medium sure. in a way. Sure. So the short answer is I am not an artist right. um, <laughs> at all. I'm an appreciator of art, yeah. And but I really like people. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's sort of been my explanation of why I do this to sure. some degree. And I really just enjoy people and I enjoy connecting them with things that make them happy and right. helping artists really. Ideally, art will be sold. That's a good thing in the end. Uh, It's good for the artist. It's good for the gallery. Uh, It's good to get art into an individual's home and enriches their home. Uh, So it is good for those transactions to happen. But when M hosts exhibitions or receptions, rather, it's also just kind of nice to have people come in and just look, even if they're not going to buy. You know what I mean? That energy. Yeah, Um, I agree with that. I think that particularly with what I do, having come from a, a world where art was very inaccessible um, and it was very intimidating for people, I answered the main line at Sotheby's for a while and people would call and be so timid and afraid, like, I don't know anything about art, but yeah. I have this thing. And sometimes it was something and more often than not, it was nothing. Yeah. Um, but it was it was always this very kind of scary environment for people. And I really wanted to create a place where it felt accessible Mm -hmm. and friendly. And I mean, it's art at the end of the day. And yes, there's a really important message behind it many, many times. And um, I think good art really makes people consider things, but it's also, you know, I'm not curing cancer, you know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. art. It's, it's like, it should make you happy. It should be fun to shop for art. You know, it should be fun to come in and look at art, even if you can't buy it, you know, um, I try to have things at every price point though. So yeah. I like people to be able to to start collecting, you know, even at a couple hundred dollars if they want sure. to. Um, but I love it when people come in and really appreciate the work and enjoy the work. That's that's really satisfying. That is that is sort of like an, an a not an unwritten goal at the end of the day. A, li- a librarian might intimidate someone. If someone came to a librarian, they're gonna presume the librarian has exquisite taste in books and they're gonna be timid and think that the librarian will judge their taste in books or they'll mm-hmm. be timid and think that I'm going to judge their taste in music. And that word comes around uh, that we kind of have to like work through, right? Because when you run a gallery or you're placing value on the art, people think that you are the judge of the art. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that isn't it really awesome in the end just to invite people into the world to not make it exclusive? Yeah. Oh, I think so for sure. And, you know, I, I mean, the artists that I work with are primarily from Detroit or around Detroit. Yeah. And that's for a couple of reasons. One, because I feel that 
there's so much talent here that it's like a huge pool of really great artists. Um, and so why not work with people that are around and close and local? Um, a lot of the clients that I work with are really interested in collecting local art, which is nice, but also it makes it easier. Yeah. You know, I can build a relationship with the artist when they are near me yeah. and I can pop into their studio or, go pick up a piece if someone's interested or, you know, um, have, have them swing it. Like you'll see here on Saturdays, a lot of times artists swing in all the time mm -hmm. and sometimes they're picking up a check. Sometimes they're dropping off work. Sometimes they're picking up work or just seeing the show or, you know, there's always like a nice little mix of people. And, um, that is one of my favorite things about it. So just being able to make it accessible and introducing people who live in this community to the, artwork that is being produced here, I yeah. think is, is really special. Oh, yeah. I really enjoy it. It's, it's one of my favorite parts. I mean, it's glamorous if you wanted to have an artist from Milan come in and uh, they're mm -hmm. here for two weeks, but mm -hmm. you build a sense of community though, if you're with a local artist, uh, camaraderie. Um, yeah, oh, absolutely. And the art community here in Detroit is very close knit. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because it's different than New York. Um, New York is a little more, just in everything, it's a little more cutthroat, a little more, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like working really hard to get to the next thing. And right. so um, here you'll see that particularly when we do openings, which we haven't been able to do for a while, you see a lot of artists come to the openings and that's because they really want to support each other. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I found really, really interesting when I first moved here. Mm -hmm. And then um, also a little bit more about you. You were at Gallery Camille, which is a cool place down in Detroit. Yeah, yep. I ran that program um, for two years before I started my own my yeah. own gallery. And that was my first experience in the gallery space. So that was really exciting. And um, I got to work really closely with Adnan Trara, the owner, and who's a wonderful artist. And um, really kind of there I started building markets for, for some of the artists that I that I continued to work with later. I would do a lot of group shows there, like three, four, maybe five artists, depending Two, you know, just like more than one. Mm -hmm. um, so you could kind of cross pollinate collectors and expose people to different work and also show them like, Ooh, these things look really cool on the wall together. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want three, you know, <laughs> depending on what it was, but also, you know, the work was really well priced at that point too. And we were able to kind of get people in at the ground level with some of these artists that, that I'm still working with today. But now my space is smaller, mm -hmm. a little more intimate. And um, I'm able to mount solo shows for a lot of those artists that I work with there. And then you mentioned that you weren't able to have openings. It's the same case over here in the library. We're not able to have folks come into the library and use mm -hmm. our computer lab or see you know, community events here, which we, of course, would. And I think there's something to be said, kind of going back to that second question I had, there's something to be said for the value that a place like M can serve by just being a place that has an open door mm -hmm. on a weekend and mm -hmm. people can come in and, and hang out, look at some yeah. art, you know? It's true. And I that's, that's one of the reasons that I'm open, really, because I'm able to be sort of COVID friendly here. It's very like, wide open. I don't, yeah, I don't have like a lot of people. You probably hear the echo mm -hmm. <laughs> in the space. I apologize for that, but it's, um, you know, we're open from 12 to six if people want to come in. And I have had people who haven't been out in like a long time mm -hmm. swing in and they're like, oh, this is the first place I've, I've gone other than the grocery store in like three months, you know, <laughs> or something or since like, since Christmas or yeah. whatever. And 
Um, someone told me the other day when they came in, and I thought it was a really nice sentiment. They were like, walking in here is like walking into a hug, you know, because I have like music and there's like a candle and it's got cool lighting. And so um, it is somewhere where you could go and just like see some culture sure. and, you know, support the local artistic community. Sure. Even if you're just wandering around, you know. Sure. I have you on a podcast, so it's a perfect time to ask stupid questions. Do you have a theory, a science, a philosophy, an approach to how the, the whole value, the valuation process that that's intriguing to me? Um, well, having worked in valuations uh, at Sotheby's, I had a very uh, I had a really in-depth perspective on how things are priced mm -hmm. uh, at a very high level. Mm -hmm. But when I was running that department, I had to go through um, it's called USPAP training and it's like essentially like real property appraisal. Mm -hmm. Um, and it works very much like real estate, if you think about it. Um, you know, if you're looking for a two-bedroom home in this neighborhood, mm -hmm. then a two-bedroom home in this neighborhood might cost you X amount of dollars. Right. If you are looking for a large-scale painting by a particular artist, mm -hmm. it might cost you X amount of dollars. And so, you know, depending on how an artist market has been developed, they may be higher priced or lower priced. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there are some artists that regularly sell works for between five and $10,000. Mm -hmm. A lot of what I move is really in that like 5,000 and under category. Mm -hmm. it, it, th that number has kind of gone up over the last few years as my collectors have become more serious and the artists that I've worked with have, have developed and their, their market has expanded. You know, they've shown in, in various other places or art fairs or that kind of thing, or, or there's very limited inventory. Mm -hmm. That's another, that's another indicator. So I usually try to look at work in a way that's like, I'd rather, I'd rather be in a collection. I'd rather yeah. sell it yeah. than price it in a way that nobody can buy it or nobody right. can afford it, or you're pricing out your collector base. So, right. um, there is, there's not a science to it, but it's nuanced. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of have to know your buyers as well. And that was one of the things that always resonated with me at Sotheby's. You know, if you put like a really, really high number on something, it wouldn't be me putting it on, it'd be the expert. But sure. if they put a really high number on something, you'd be like, how do you know someone's going to spend $50 million on this? And it's like, well, these people know the people who spend $50 million on things, you know? So it, it's, it's kind of like, do you have a buyer? Do you have a market for this artist? And sometimes you don't know, and it, and it can take time for that to grow. And, right. um, and, and it takes a, for me, it's taken a real commitment to the artists that I work with. I, I have people that I've been, that I've been working with for like five years, mm -hmm. you know, since I came, since I moved, moved back from New York. And mm -hmm. so in that amount of time, I've been able to develop a pretty loyal collector base for some of those artists and, and help them expand. Mm -hmm. So, um, I hope that answered your question. Absolutely. I, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, I wish I could say like, Oh yeah, it's like per square inch or whatever, but it's, and some, some artists do price like that, particularly artists who do murals. They'll do sure. like, you know, by, by square foot or something um, because they've kind of got it down to a science. Sure. And when you're working on that scale, you have to, yeah. to a degree. Um, but sometimes it's just like, Ooh, man, this is really great. And I think it's, you could, you should price it higher. You know, like yeah. there's always a point where you're going to move the market up. Yeah. You know, you only stay stable for so long. Um, yeah. In my perspective. Well, and another thing is that the guiding principle of pricing something, you know, folks might walk into a gallery and get like, if they don't often go into galleries, they might get sticker shock. But mm -hmm. the thing to remember is that this is the only thing that exists. This is the one copy. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, like I, I hear people say sometimes to like, oh, like how long did that take them to paint? Like, 
if it took a hundred hours, it should be worth like so much more than something that an artist can like knock out in two days. Mm -hmm. And I, I always think that that's interesting because really it's taken that artist's entire career mm -hmm. to be able to work the way that they work or work quickly or have their process down or, you know, those kinds of things that that's an investment that's hard to monetize, mm -hmm. you know, and, and sometimes even artists will say that they're like, Oh, like this one only took me like this amount of time. And I'm like, but at the end of the day, it sort of evens out, right? Yeah. Like the one that's more detailed or more involved, if, if you kind of price it consistently with your other work, then you, you don't feel so bad if, if something that's, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the word less work, but like a little less complicated to execute if that it costs the same as something that's a little bit more involved. Absolutely. When you get whatever, if you are a contract worker, a freelancer, an artist, whoever you are, if you have put in your 5,000 hours, your 10,000 hours, it gets to that point where you're not, you're not paying for my time. You're paying for my skill sort of a thing. That sounds like yeah, tough talk. And your expertise. And yeah. You, and frankly, I think with the, with a lot of artists, it's you're, you're paying for their perspective mm -hmm. and that's coming from, you know, their experience and that's coming from, you know, inside. And, and that's, what's really unique about working within the fine art realm. I think that, you know, you, you look at work that's narrative, for example, which lately I've been working with a lot of artists that, that um, there is like a narrative quality to their work, a lot of figurative kind of stuff. And, um, I think that with that in particular, you know, like that's a story, that's someone's life. you know, there's a model, there's a, you know, there's a reason that they painted it. There's a reason that they painted it in that way. Um, for example, I have the Sydney James exhibition up right now and it's really powerful and all the work has a black background. And, you know, while that looks perhaps simple, there's a, it was a really deliberate choice and that black background is really conveying the void and the chaos that everybody is surrounded by right now. And then within that chaos and that void, you've got these really beautifully executed figures of women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, women have been really, you know, holding a lot on their shoulders throughout the entire pandemic. Mm -hmm. And this is really a celebration of that. And so, yeah, you're, you're really, when you're buying fine art and you're buying unique work in particular, I think you're, you're looking at the voice. Yeah. Or I, that's one of the things that I really value. And I wondered, uh, I mean, that's so important is that, you know, you could even think of whether it is a, a visual artist on paint or a sculptor or even a photographer. You might see a photographer who just took a picture of a bus like uh, like Robert Frank in The Americans. He still had a narrative that he was working on. I also wondered if that that is a connector, maybe the idea that art is a narrative or the idea that that one show could be a narrative kind of speaks back to you in your college days as a journalist and a aspiring documentarian, you know, that I whole idea in terms of uh, guiding how you book your shows or who you want to book. I, I mean, well, photography is one of my favorite mediums. Um, I think partly due to the fact that uh, I have that document, you know, documentary background. Um, but also because I like the idea that it captures a moment and moments can't be recreated. Like when they happen, they're now in the past. And so you're really, there's this element of like history. There's an element of, um, you know, like that the things are really finite, you know, that they're, they're fleeting. And I, I really enjoy that about photography in particular and about art. But I think that, you know, the shows that I try to put together, a lot of times it's, you know, 
I mean, I feel like I'm sort of a vehicle for the artists. Um, I want them to show what they want to show. Mm -hmm. If, if I'm working with you as an artist, it's because I trust you and I trust your perspective and you have in my mind an evolving perspective. So a lot of the artists that I, that I show here, I do more than one exhibition with, and you know, you might see them pop up every year, every two years. Sometimes it's like eight months. It depends on how, how they're producing really. Like if people are in a zone where they're making a lot of work and it's really evolving quickly, then in my mind, there's no reason not to show it again, because if you are collecting local art, you are, working with people within this community. And I think it's, it's nice for collectors to see where the artists that they have purchased a year ago, mm -hmm. where their work is going. Mm -hmm. I work with Malt, for example, and he's a muralist in the city and his work is like all over. And I collect his work as well. And I bought a piece when I first moved here, like in 2013, I bought it from Interstate. And now, it, I mean, just looking at where his work is now versus where it started, it's like, it's crazy. And it's only been a few years, you know, like he's just, his technique has evolved so dramatically and just the line work is different. And for me, that's really exciting because I, don't, I mean, I'm not necessarily like a direct participant in it, but as someone who talks to artists and sees artists and goes to their studio and, you know, they send me work and I get to take a look and see, you know, where things are headed. And sometimes they ask my, my opinion and I feel like it's a very collaborative experience sometimes. And that's really satisfying. Yeah. As someone who has worked with artists throughout uh, a lot of your life at this point, can you talk about how, why it's special and important to get the opportunity to, I mean, and hopefully we're going to get close in this year where we can have folks in and big receptions and big closings, et cetera, uh, for mm -hmm. shows. But, you know, we here at this library, we have, we curate some art every once in a while. It's a very simple operation. Uh, we just like to put some Basically, we just like to get local artists in to put some work on the walls. And in theory, it was, you know, I, at, at, at the base level, eye candy for our patrons who are coming in. They could just see something and maybe it catches their eye and maybe they engage with the piece. But we also would like to host community events where people can meet the artist and the artist can meet them. And we're still doing that. We're still having virtual chances to meet the artist. But I always wonder, like, there's got to be a lot of artists out there who are reclusive or shy or they don't want to explain their art but uh i guess if you ever it's a long way of asking have you ever had to sort of coax an artist to open up do you do you believe in that being a worthwhile thing in the end to get the artists to also connect because i feel like they they uh they get effaced by their work sometimes by the folks who just come in and, and look at it they might not appreciate the human soul behind it that was a long question no, I mean, it's very, it's a very valid question. And the, the answer is yes. Yeah. I and mean, of course that, so you don't know, like artists are people. So you, you got extroverts, you got introverts, you got people who are wildly confident about what they're doing. And you have people that are like, so apprehensive that it's alarming almost you're like, Oh my God, you're so great. Like, why are you so worried? And it's funny because I've had this experience multiple times when I'm putting together an exhibition, like I do this all the time, right? Like I take down a show, I patch the walls, I paint the walls, I put up another show. I, you know, I have like a little routine in terms of like how I go about mounting an exhibition and selling an exhibition and all that kind of thing. But um, one of the things that I sometimes forget is that, you know, for the artist, like them bringing in the work in, in prior to the reception, they're so nervous and I'm so used to it. And just like, sometimes you sell out, sometimes you don't sell anything. Like it's, you know, the, you know, the former is always better, but like, you know, you never know, you never know what the reception is going to be. 
And so there are certainly times where I think to myself, like, oh my gosh, I was not really cognizant of the fact that this person was as nervous as they were. And, you know, as people come in, sometimes you'll see, why don't you see artists like outside smoking, you know, and you're like, come in, talk about the word, but like their comfort zone is away from it. Like they don't want to hear what people are saying. They want to be, you know, sort of just like on the outskirt, like looking in, you know, right. um, that, that definitely happens. That, yeah. and, and I do this too. Sometimes I've noticed where people will bring things in and I'll look at it. Well, I'll go to the studio and I'll look at the work and I'll talk about the work and, you know, have a conversation with the artist. And before I leave, they're like, so do you like it? And I'll be like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Yes, I love it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> my God, I've already kind of gotten there and I'm like three steps, three steps beyond. But you sort of, you kind of like lose the fact that like this, this is their heart and soul. You know, this is like, I would never be able to do this. Like mm -hmm. put myself out there in the way that, that some of these artists do. And it's such a gift, you yeah. know, we're, we're so lucky to enjoy that and, yeah. and be a part of that. And I feel so privileged when people feel like, my venue is the place where they they want to have that experience because it's it's intense mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah it's intensely social at the end of the day we don't anticipate that it would be intensely social but it is we and it's exposing yeah. you know like you really you know like just because you think something is great i i have artists for example that like are two years ahead of their market always you know like that i believe in so firmly and i swear people are buying what they did two years ago mm -hmm. like for five years that's been happening you know because it's like in my mind i'm like oh it's so there mm -hmm. and then you know maybe not that much will sell right and then all of a sudden it's like you know i really like that artist i saw them on your website you know and it just sort of that's how it that's how it works <laughs> and it, it's just interesting how the the market or, or people will react you know to to what you think is amazing or interesting and granted i have you know my, my taste is is um pretty bold when it comes to art like i'm not afraid of something that's really really intense or, mm -hmm. or really makes you think and mm -hmm. um so yeah it, I, some people are a little more conservative about it i suppose but my takeaway is that we're all nervous creatures really whether you're the folks attending the gallery you're going to be i'm going to be nervous too if I ask the artist a question about their work, if like the work I see hanging behind you, I'm mm -hmm. going to be nervous that I'm asking a stupid question and the artist won't like it. And the artist is already nervous of what my question's going to be. So <laughs> yeah, I think people, you know, I think a lot of artists just really appreciate when people um, consider the work and are thoughtful about it. And even if you're asking a question that um, may sound dumb to you or naive to you, it could be one that they hadn't even thought of necessarily, you know? Um, I think that it's really about just this idea that you're really putting yourself on display in a way or, or your heart in, in your, you know, your, your, your insides, you know, all the things that make you artistic, all the things that make you want to do art, you're, you're kind of exposing them to the world and it's, it's fragile, you know, and it can be really, you know, really hard for people. That's beautiful. Um, so, you know, news we can share on this podcast is M is technically open. That's great. I am so technically open. Everyone's future has been sort of very tentative when I ask, what's your future plans? But you just yeah. kind of just keeping it cautious so far? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, my future plans are I'm moving ahead with my calendar. There was a little bit of a, you know, 
uneasy period where I was like, I don't really know if I, you know, if, if I should mount this exhibition or maybe artists weren't ready. And so my calendar was a little bit flexible um, from, you know, from like March <laughs> essentially yeah. through the fall. Um, but now, I mean, I'm, I'm full on. I have a really great roster of, of artists coming up and um, I've got an exhibition opening on January 30th um, for Bill Jackson. And he's a photographer who passed away a couple years ago. Um, who's based in Michigan mm -hmm. and some really interesting uh, sort of it's photography, but it's really abstract in its perspective. And it's very different from what people might know him for, which is sort of grasses and these very natural looking environments. Um, after that, I have Elizabeth Youngblood who does drawing and her work is incredibly subtle and beautiful. And then I have Rashawn Rucker who is doing a, print show here, which is, I'm really, really excited about. It's um, called Up From the Red Clay, and it's all about him growing up in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And the work is powerful, and it's going to be large scale and really, really impactful. Well, I just want to close by saying that I wholeheartedly believe in the value of galleries, but specifically looking at it from this pandemic perspective, we've seen, you know, over the course of 2020, we were like, well, we could do drive-in movies for our movies and we could have our bands play outside and it'll be safe as long as it's warm. But with a gallery, it it so much requires that that intense intimacy that we kind of already touched on. You kind of need to need to go into a space that feels like a hug. You need to go into a space that feels a little a little closed off from the world and it kind of feels that, you know what I'm getting at? I mean, everybody needs a hug right now. Well, that too. <laughs> I feel like we're all lacking hugs at the yeah. moment. But, but yeah, and, and I think that one thing I will say is, you know, we, we require masks for entry. Yeah. There's really nothing that you can't really touch very much in right. here, to be honest. Like, I have a table. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, you know, um, I don't have more than 10 people in the gallery at a time. But we don't get a lot of walk-ins. So yeah. it's pretty chill. You know, yeah. we do a lot of stuff online. But... If people are interested in coming in, it's like we're open Thursday right. through Saturday from 12 to 6. Excellent. Well, we will have a link to your website in the show notes. And uh, I'm excited to hear about all those shows coming up. And uh, thank you so much for your time and join us on this podcast. Thank you. It was nice to meet you, my neighbor across the street. Well, nice to meet you too, Melly. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And that's just it. You could be nervous to ask about the art and the artist could be nervous to talk about the art. But at the end of the day, it's a very intensely intimate experience that we have to appreciate. We have to appreciate those opportunities to gather in galleries and hopefully we'll be able to do that soon. But for now, you can find info from mcontemporaryart.com, the website for the upcoming shows. They are open Thursday through Saturday and a lot of space in there. Limited people can come in, wear masks. It should be safe. It was great to talk with Melanie Chard, owner and director of M Contemporary Art. My name has been Jeff Milo. I'm the host of this podcast. It's made possible by the friends of the Ferndale Library. You can go to ferndalefriends.org if you'd like to support, or you could just rate, review, or subscribe. Or you could also just tell a friend. We really appreciate that, and we really appreciate you listening. <laughs>